Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Tony Rio. Well, once again, good morning. Welcome to Community Christian Church. It's so great to have you here. It's so good to see your smiling faces. Last Sunday, Pastor Tyler kicked off our brand new September series, If Only. That's it, just those two words, If Only. How many of you appreciated that message last week? I sure did. I thought it was an outstanding message. Uh, Pastor Tyler did a great job, and if you uh, haven't heard it by now, uh, haven't had a chance to listen to it, I would highly recommend it. And uh, announced already a couple of times, you know the drill this morning, installment number two of the same series, if only. And if only is a term used to express a strong wish or a desire, especially when you know what you are hoping for or what you want is probably not going to happen. If only I had a million dollars, then all of my problems would be solved, right? If only I had a marriage like mom and pop's Bongiorno. I mean, then my life would be perfect. 68 years and counting, never a bad moment. Can you believe that? If only. The same phrase, if only, could also mean doing something different in order to avoid an uncomfortable situation or an unpleasant experience. If only I wasn't driving 15 miles over the speed limit when I passed that state trooper hiding in the speed trap. I would have saved myself $150. Discretionary income I don't have. And speaking of income or money, this is the truth. I wish I had a nickel for every time someone said to me or insinuated, if only. If only the circumstances of my life were different, then I would be happy. Then I would be satisfied. Then you would never, ever hear me complain again. If only. Friend, listen to me, because I want to pass along some pastoral advice that rivals the wisdom of Solomon. Are you ready? When you focus on things you don't have, you will never be happy. I'm going to say that again. When you focus and you fixate on the things that you don't have, you'll never be happy. When you walk around with the mindset or the attitude that somehow you have been shortchanged or you've been cheated out of a blessing that everyone else has, you will never find fulfillment in this life. And check this out because this is the truth You would be surprised. No, I'd scratch that. You would be shocked at the number of people who look at you and they look at your life and they think they've received the short end of the stick. They envy what you have. They covet what you have. And a long, long time ago, God said, don't do that. And that advice and instruction made it all the way to the top 10. Now, a couple of weeks ago during our uh, version uh, top 10 uh, Bible app series, I referenced a powerful verse of scripture found in the book of Philippians, 
Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11. Here's what Paul said. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I'm going to repeat that. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. Now, when I read that statement, those first three words, when I read those first three words, I have learned, it tells me that for Paul, contentment was an acquired skill. Miscellaneous hoops he had to jump through. Learning indicates that there was a time in Paul's life when he didn't have that aptitude or that ability. If I say to you, I'm learning now to play pickleball, which I am, that means last month or last year, I didn't know how to play it. It also means I'm too old to play racquetball. <laughs> In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11, Paul basically said, after years and years and years of if only griping and if only living and if only thinking, I have finally bought into a winning mindset. I have learned because of the circumstances of my life and everything that I face, all of the tests, all the trials, everything that God has put me through, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstance. And he takes this life learning lesson one step further in 1 Timothy 6, 6, and here's what Paul says, godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. Not gain, not a little gain, great gain. That's how important this concept of contentment really is. And in the Greek, that word gain is a financial term. It's translated a huge profit or tremendous wealth. And so godliness or pursuing God, something that we should all desire after, godliness with contentment is invaluable. It's priceless. And during one of his sermon illustrations, Jesus said when a merchant or a broker stumbles onto an expensive pearl like that, he or she will go and sell everything else that they have and buy it. In other words, do everything within their power to incorporate this treasure into their life, even if it means parting with something standing in the way like an if-only mindset. What a power this teaching is, this training and lesson that Paul learned about contentment. All right, at this time, what I'd like to do is I'd like to read a Bible story, a well-known story found in the Gospel of John, John chapter 5. I'm sure most of you, if not all of you, have heard this story at least one time. You've probably read it uh, countless times. John chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. Are, are you ready for this story? Yes. Okay. Right. Thank you. Appreciate that. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, is a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, it means the house of the place of mercy. That's what Bethesda means. Having five porches. In these are 
on the pool deck, there lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, all waiting for the moving of the water. What were they waiting for? Okay, for an angel went down at a certain time into the water and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to the man, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately this man was made well, so he took up his bed and he walked. All right, here in this account, the passage we just read, The scripture tells us that Jesus was in Jerusalem for one of the feast days. Doesn't tell us which one. Could have been Passover, Pentecost, or Feast of Tabernacles. If you asked me to take a guess, I would say Passover. And the reason I would conclude Passover is because the story begins with Jesus hanging out at the sheep pen or the sheep gate. And that's the place where all of the little Passover lambs were kept until they were sacrificed. And Jesus was there. He was watching what was taking place, watching these innocent animals being led to the slaughter. And I have to believe that he was thinking, this is going to be me in the not-too-distant future. So he stayed there by the sheep gate for a little while. He watched the activity there. He passed the sheep gate and began to make his way over to the pool of Bethesda. And the Bible tells us that this was a very interesting uh, place because surrounding the pool, is the swimming pool, and surrounding this little pool, there was a multitude of people. They were all sick. They were diseased, lame, blind, people with terminal illnesses. And they were all waiting for their turn to be first into the water. Because according to tradition, the water, the pool water, had healing properties. And again, according to tradition, at a certain time of the year, an angel would come and stir up the waters. And as soon as those waters were stirred up, the person who had a sickness or disease, the first one into the water was healed of whatever sickness they had. Completely healed. And so there... Lying next to the pool was a lame man who had been in that exact paralyzed condition for 38 years. Every day, somebody dropped him off at the pool of Bethesda, the place of mercy. And every day, somebody picked him up and took him back home. 38 years, he was lying there. And as Jesus passed the sheep gate, this lame man caught his attention. And immediately he made a beeline for him. No one else. Scripture's clear. There were a ton of people there, but he, Jesus went to this one lame man. And he said to him, don't you want to be healed? And the lame man responded and basically said, yeah, I, I, I sure do. 
I really do want to be healed. That's why I've been coming to this pool for so many years. But he said, it's never going to happen for me. I am never going to find healing. I am never going to experience healing because I just can't get into the water. Every time the water stirred and I crawl over to the edge of the pool and I desperately try to find the place of healing, somebody jumps the line and they step in front of me. And so, yes, to answer your question, I want to be healed, but it's not going to happen for me. I'm never going to get to the place of healing. When you read between the lines, what you see is this lame man had an if-only mindset. If only the circumstances of my life were different. If only I had someone to carry me to the water. If only I could get there. If only people weren't so rude. If only I could get ahead of everybody else. And do you remember how Jesus responded to this man, what he said to this poor guy? Get up. Get off your mat. And remember, it was Jesus who initiated the conversation in the first place. As he was passing along the sheep pen, Jesus focused on this man, caught his situation out of the corner of his eye, saw him lying there, felt his pain, was moved with compassion, sensed all of that hopelessness and despair. And so... Saying to him to get up and get moving was not a harsh or insensitive statement. That's not what Jesus was attempting to communicate to him, to belittle him in any way. In essence, Jesus was saying to the lame man, get your focus off the water. Stop looking to the water as your source. And stop thinking your hope and salvation is in what you don't have. The one thing that you wish you had. See, that's what this lame man was doing. Completely fixated on the water. Dwelling on it. Focusing on it. Couldn't get past it. If only I could get to the water, then my life would change. My life would be different. I could see the light of day. And friend, could I can I tell you that the water itself had absolutely no healing properties. Zero. Even if the whole tradition of the angels stirring up the water were true, and I doubt that it was, still that water can't heal. Only God can heal. As the Bible tells us, only God has the power to heal. Nothing else, no one else. And so again, Jesus was saying to this lame man, get your eyes off that water. It's not your source. It's not your hope. It's not your salvation. Stop staring at the things that you wish you had, all of the negative circumstances in your life, and turn your attention to me. That was basically the message Jesus had. Look to me. I'm the healer. I'm the one who's going to change your situation. And once again, we come full circle to the same passage that I have been impressing upon you for the last eight months, ever since the beginning of the year. In fact, back in January 2021, we talked about this passage for an entire month, found in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything, 
How many things? Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. What a concept that Jesus would be the one who could perfect our faith. Jesus would be the one who could increase our faith. The whole year we've been talking about this. Let's take our eyes off of our circumstances, off of all of the trouble, everything that we're going through, all of the controversy, all of the confusion, and let's put them on him. Let's focus on Jesus. Let's turn our attention toward him, not the things we don't have, the things we wish we would have. Now, in a recent conversation that I had with a community Christian church member, a gal that's been serving the Lord for a good number of years, and from my perspective, is just an amazing woman of God, we were talking about current events, talking about everything that's happening, including the politics, including the pandemic. And this gal said to me, I really don't know what's going on. I don't know what God's trying to do. I feel something good is happening. But what I want more than anything else is for an increase of faith. Whatever's going on, that's my one thing, she says. I want Jesus to somehow perfect my faith. And I thought, what a tremendous objective. What a, what a tremendous goal. Especially when the Hebrew writer tells us that's who Jesus is. That's his work in our lives. Is helping us with our faith, increasing our faith, taking our faith to a new level. The scripture says being built up in our most holy faith. Now, I'm not sure this gal or anyone else, myself included, myself at the top of the list, is ever going to find perfection in this life. We are probably not going to have perfect joy or perfect faith or perfect love or perfect anything. But do you remember the instructions that Paul passed along to the saints at Corinth toward the last part of his second letter? In 2 Corinthians 13, 12, here's what Paul said. Aim for perfection. Aim. If you'd had a one-on-one -on -one with Paul, he probably would have said, you're not going to get there. You're really probably not going to experience perfection, but that should be your aim. That should be your focus. The center of the bullseye. You should set your sight there. And for the purpose of this message this morning, I want to try to communicate to you that an if-only mindset is going to mess up your aim. If you continue to focus in on what you don't have or what you wish you had, you are seldom, if ever, going to hit or find the black of the target. It's going to be impossible to do. And let me say this just so you understand, because this is a concept that I think we can all relate to. And the reason we can relate to it is because it's the universal cry of the human heart. We all deal with if only. We all have to process it. We all have to come to terms with it. Every single one of us sometimes are overwhelmed or burdened with this thing called contentment, just wishing life would be different or something good would come our way. Any idea where that comes from? Same place where all of the rest of our struggles 
and all the rest of our shortcomings originate. In the, Garden of, in the Garden of Eden, you can trace it all the way back there with Adam and Eve. After God arranged the most incredible paradise for his creation, he specifically told Adam and Eve of all the trees and all the plants and everything else that you find in the garden, have at it. Enjoy yourself. I'm going to give you one instruction, though, God said, one commandment. Stay away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't go near it. Don't touch it. Don't eat the fruit of it. Because the fruit from that tree is not good for your health. In fact, he said it's poisonous. And when you eat from it, you're going to die. What did Adam and Eve do? They made a beeline to that tree. They camped out in front of it. They stared at the tree. And they said to themselves, if only, if only God would change his mind and cut us loose. If only we could taste that delicious fruit. If only. And they got stuck on the one thing in the garden they couldn't have. And as a result, they passed that if only mindset down to the rest of us. Now, how do we overcome this? How do we get past it? Well, there's a wonderful story uh, in the Gospels that I want to share with you now. I'm going to tell this story to you in my own words. In fact, all of the three Gospel writers, uh, the Synoptic Gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they record the story. Uh, but I'm going to encourage you to read it for yourself sometime this week, even though I'm going to tell it to you in my own words. I'm not going to look at the story right now in the Scripture. The Bible tells us that Jesus was passing through a certain town one day, and as he was walking along, he attracted this enormous crowd of people. That's what the scripture says, a, a huge crowd of people began to follow him. That's typically what happened after Jesus revealed himself as a healer, after he began to preach and let people know that he could heal the sick and he would feed people and he would, he would do all kinds of things, all kinds of miracles. And so what happened, whenever Jesus went anywhere, as he went from town to town, the hurting and, and the hopeless and those that were hungry, those that had needs, they came out of the woodwork. And such was the case here in this situation. There was a woman who had been sick for 12 years. She had a rare blood disorder. And she had desperately tried to get better. We know that because the scripture tells us that she saw every single doctor in town. Not only the ones in town, but she also went into the entire region until she was out of money. She was at appointment after appointment until she finally had no money left. And instead of getting better, her situation, the scripture said, grew progressively worse. How maddening is that? You make the appointments. You do what the specialists tell you to do. You get all the x-rays, all of the MRIs, everything that you're told to do and your situation gets worse and increasingly more challenging, and you can't get any relief. And so as Jesus is passing through this town, and there's a crowd of people gathering, this woman's in that crowd. She's demoralized. She's bleeding and she's broke. She's been suffering for 12 years. She's out of money. She's out of options. She's at the end of her rope. There's nothing else that she can do. Until she hears that this Jesus who's 
got this huge following that not only is a prophet, but he's a miracle worker. That he has the power to bring healing to the physical body. Do you know what she thought when she heard that? If only. But it was a different kind of if only. Much different than what the layman thought. Because she didn't say, if only the doctors could get me better. If only I wasn't so sick. If only this bleeding would stop. If only somebody would get me out of my pain. Do you remember what she said? If only I could get to Jesus. If only I could touch him. If I could just embrace his garment, something good might happen for me. And so that's precisely what she did. Somehow she slipped through the crowd secretly. She was able to get within striking distance, really close to Jesus. She reached out as far as she could, and she touched the hem of his robe. And the scripture says when she did that, immediately she felt something change in her body. For 12 years, all of that pain was gone. All of that agony was gone. She knew she had been physically healed. And amazingly, Jesus felt the exact same thing. He knew virtue had gone out of him. Something happened. So he stopped in his tracks, and he looked to the crowd, and he said, who touched me? Do you think he knew who did it? But he wanted this woman to come forward, and she told her story. She explained what she did and why she did it, and Jesus not only confirmed her healing, he commended her for her faith. And what we have here is just another tremendous miracle recorded in the Gospels. Another time when Jesus did something that totally changed the situation. However, this morning as we bring this message to a close, I, I don't want to talk about the miracle. I don't want to emphasize the power that Jesus has to change our lives, I want to land on this woman's faith. Because to me, this is as close to spiritual perfection as we can get. You want Jesus to perfect your faith? You want to grow in your faith? You want your faith to be increased? You want to be built up in faith? Then you have to have this mindset. Not the one that the lame man had lying by the pool of Bethesda, but the one that this woman had that had been suffering for 12 years. If only I could make my way to Jesus. Because Jesus is my source. Jesus is the only one who can change my situation. Jesus is the one that I'm going to fix my attention on. Nothing else. Not the things I lack. Not what somebody else has. Not what I wish I had. Jesus. If only I could get to Jesus. Friends, there's so many people today who find themselves in one way or another in the same condition that this woman was in. They've tried everything. They have searched the world over to find something to satisfy the longing in their soul. Something to fill that hole in their heart. And yet they're empty on the inside. Because it doesn't matter what you go after. It's not going to do the trick. 
It doesn't matter what you pursue in this life. It's not going to do what you think it's going to do. Only Jesus can satisfy the desires that you have. Only Jesus can meet your need. Only Jesus can be the one that proves to be the source. And I'm not going to tell you here that he's going to answer every prayer. He's going to do everything you want him to do. He's not always going to fix things for you, make your problems go away. Hey, in this world, we're going to have some trouble. But I can guarantee you this. I promise you this. You'll get more from Jesus than anyone else. He'll give you more than you bargained for. He'll go exceedingly above and beyond anything you could ever ask or think. That's the testimony that we have. He's able. He's able to do these things. You see, sometimes you, you just can't sit there. You can't lay there. Licking your wounds. Waiting for the, the, the waters to move in your direction or in your favor. You got to get up and get off your mat. You got to turn to Jesus. And I promise you, he will be there with open arms. And whatever that means, if you're turning to him for the very first time or you're coming to him for the hundredth time, if you pursue him, he will not deny you. He will not fail you. If only I could get to Jesus. Let's bow our heads. Give me just a couple more minutes and we're going to close out our service with a song. You know, every time we come together on a Sunday morning, there are people in place that pray, intercessors that gather an hour before the service. There's prayer that goes on throughout the week. And those prayers are for you. We pray that not only would we be able to articulate the heart of God, but our prayer is that the Holy Spirit would speak to you. See, my words sometimes can move you emotionally, but they can't change you. I know that. I can't do any good for your soul. Only Jesus can do that. Only the Spirit of the Lord can do that. And if God is drawing you, if he's knocking on the door of your heart, what I can do is appeal to you to take that step toward him. Friend, the things that are happening in our world today, just like the sister that I had the discussion with, I don't know why. I don't know. I don't have the answers to everything. But I can tell you this. No matter what happens, God is drawing you. And God wants more of you. And God is asking you to trust him. For some of you, this might be the first time that you ever do this. First time you ever say or ever think, if only I could make my way to Jesus. If only. Father, I pray for those right now who you're working on, those who you're dealing with in their heart. You're such a good God. You care about each one of us. You see us out of the corner of your eye. Lord, I pray for those who right now are making a decision and a determination to change their mindset from if only to I need Jesus. I just have to get a hold of him. Lord, I pray that you would confirm this in our hearts, that by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, we would be drawn to you. Lord, that these difficult, 
troublesome times that we find ourselves in wouldn't push us away from you, but would drive us closer to you. That we would appeal to you for your presence, to know you, to see you, to surrender our life to you. Because when push comes to shove, that's all that's going to matter. I pray, Lord God, you give us an if-only-Jesus attitude. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.